0: Hi, everyone. Welcome and thank you for tuning into the Animal Files, the podcast where we expose the truth, science and spirituality of pet care and provide you with the wisdom and tools you need to raise happy and healthy companion animals. My name is Victoria, an animal spirituality facilitator and integrative energy practitioner.
1: And my name is Miranda, an animal health technologist and pet care safety expert.
0: Let's dive in, shall we? Today, we got a great show for you. We're going to be talking about understanding and dealing with the behaviors that your dog and your cat may be exhibiting and some of the issues that could arise as a result. Question for you guys out there. Raise your hands. How many of you have had an animal that have had some behavior trait that you disliked or you considered being bad? And I'm going to use my psychic brain here. I see lots of hands raised. So we're going <laughs> to talk about how <laughs> yeah, we're just going to talk about How Some of these behaviors that tend to come up over and over again with dog and cat owners and trying to figure out, are they really bad? Are we causing them? Is it stress? Who knows? We're going to unpack all that for you so you have a better way of dealing with your animal going forward when they do some of these things. So we're going to first start with cat behaviors. Now, this is something, tell me if I'm wrong here, Miranda, but this is something that we hear a lot of people talking about. Mm
1: -hmm, For sure.
0: Yeah. It just seems like cats are just really bad all the time and you can't do anything with them and they just do what they do. And
1: And I think too, sometimes there are more more allowed to get away with not get away but continue with those certain behaviors just because of that belief nothing can be done about it.
0: Yeah. And that, oh, cats will be cats. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you have a cat, your house is going to smell like pee.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that's
0: something that I've heard over and over again. Well, let me tell you folks, that ain't the truth. Mm-hmm. If you have a cat, your house is not going to smell like pee. Unless you let a cat do whatever the heck it wants. And you Mm -hmm. don't try to mitigate any of the behaviors that they may be exhibiting. Newsflash people, most of these behaviors, both dogs and cats, tend to be a response to us. It Mm -hmm. is not just what they do. So some of the behaviors that we wanted to talk about, especially with cats, is territory marketing. We're talking about the house smelling like pee. Well, territory marking is one of those reasons why houses smell. There are other reasons and we're going to get into them, promise. But territory marking is one of those things. Now, what are some of your thoughts, Miranda, on territory marking? I have some of my ideas of what I've seen in my experience. What are some of the things that you have noticed?
1: Well, it can be a result of stress if there are other cats in the household, or if there might be something going on in the home that they're not happy with. And it can be a way of them communicating that they don't want whatever it is that's going on happening. The other cats in the home could be both dominant, or more than one could be dominant, and so the behavior issues can result because of that. so that is one thing.
0: Yeah, I like that you brought in communication because almost all of these, actually, I would think all of these behaviors that we're going to be talking about today, they are all communication of some sort. And it is up to us to pay attention to our animal and try to translate what they're communicating to us. And that's the tricky part. So what are some of the other things? I know one thing with territory is when you have a cat or a dog, because dogs can do this too, that is not fixed. Yes. They're intact. Mm -hmm. And the more intact an animal is, if you decide to not get your cat or your dog fixed, you're going to have an issue with some of these territory things. I know if a male hits a male cat, I'm not sure about dogs, I'm sure dogs it's the same, but if a male cat is intact well into puberty, they are going to create this territorial behavior where I'm going to mark because it's a testosterone-fueled thing. This is my Mm -hmm. spot. You're not allowed. And I've noticed in my own experience, when I've gotten my male cats fixed earlier, they're less likely to territory mark, even if there's other males in the house. Now, I don't know if that is a continued or, or a common behavior that people can experience. Do you know anything about that, Miranda?
1: I don't know if it's a common behavior. I haven't really heard of a lot of complaints In regards to that, I do know one person who did have issues with a cat who did the territorial peeing and it didn't, well, she, she also tended to move around quite a bit Mm -hmm. into different places. So maybe that may have had a factor in it to some extent.
0: Like maybe there was another set there that they didn't, they were trying to cover up.
1: Possibly. Yeah. Or I don't know if it could have had to do maybe with the stress of trying to adjust to a new place again but i think even after a period of time it still happens so i'm not sure if that's exactly the issue but i also know that if you wait until after maturity to to get your cat fixed and it's maybe a year two years old or something like that before it gets happens they may have already started exhibiting that behavior of territorial marking ahead of time. And even after the surgery, that behavior can still persist, even though they no longer have that testosterone actually fueling
0: it. Yeah. Like it's a habit. Yeah. Yeah. They've created this habit and this is how, this is how they can feel comfortable in whatever space they have to do this mm-hmm. as a, a comfort. And, mm-hmm. you know, as we've talked about many times, stress is a big key factor in a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as far as territorial marking, do you think it can come from something else or is it strictly just a territory thing or a stress thing?
1: No, I think well, I guess it it depends on the nature of how they're they're peeing because just because they peed somewhere doesn't necessarily mean that it's a territorial marking. Yeah. Unless you've actually witnessed how they're actually doing the behavior it can be challenging to determine in which case it is. Peeing in places outside of the litter box could potentially suggest that there's a health issue going on.
0: Yeah, that's, yeah, true, 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 true.
1: You know, that could be an indication of something like maybe diabetes or kidney disease or something like that, where there tends to be a need to pee a lot more. If there isn't A litter box that's close by that they can get to easily and quickly, then they may end up having a an accident, so to speak.
0: Yeah, or they did it intentionally because they can't make it to the litter box. I like that you mentioned that. You also mentioned how they're doing it. The one thing that I've noticed with cats is territory marking is done differently than actually peeing in the wrong spot. So Mm -hmm. if you can pay attention to your animal and notice a male cat marking its territory basically is still standing on all fours with the tail up in the air and it literally sprays something as opposed to, I can't make it to the litter box, so here's a nice pile of laundry. I'm going to go here where they would sit Mm -hmm. down and pee. So that is a good distinction to make. So if you can pay attention to your animal, and this is why we don't really think that it's good to let animals roam large houses on their own without having any boundaries boundaries are good you don't Mm -hmm. want them to have full reign of whatever area they have because you will find more territorial marking if that happens and then you're not paying attention you don't know whether they have an illness that's why they're peeing whether they're spraying or whether they're just peeing somewhere because the litter box is on the other side of the house. Mm -hmm. Those are some of the things.
1: Yeah. And another way to help identify, even if you aren't able to actually see them doing the peeing is that typically when they're wanting to territory mark, they're going to try to spray up as high as they can. Mm -hmm. Because generally in the wild, the, the pee that's up the highest is kind of like the the most dominant one. Yes.
2: <laughs> kind yep. of thing.
1: So <laughs> whereas if they're just peeing to pee, then it's much likely going to be lower on the on the floor, of the carpet yeah. type of thing.
0: Yeah, exactly. So what we're saying people is if you're if you have a cat and your cat is peeing in places that you prefer it not to pee, you need to pay attention to why they're peeing, where they're peeing, and what's causing the peeing. And once you can answer those questions, you can actually do things to help mitigate that. And we're going to get in that in the second half of this show today. But I want to really stress to you folks out there that just because a cat pees, it's not just marking its territory. It's not just peeing to be bad and be bratty. It's not just doing bad behavior. There are reasons for a cat to pee in places other than a litter box. The one thing that I also want to bring is is I wanted to touch back on the whole health issue. If you find out that your cat is peeing somewhere, you need to go through your brain and say, okay, let me look at the rest of his behavior. Is there something that I need to be pay attention to health-wise? Is my animal sick? Is my animal suffering from a urinary tract infection? FIC, which is feline idiopathic cystitis. Is it kidney failure? Is it some type of other issue that could be a reason for them to pee and to try to get your attention? Because as I mentioned earlier, it's all about communication, Mm -hmm. all about communication. They're trying to tell you something or tell others something. So we're going to get more into that later, but we also want to talk about some other behaviors like um, that cats do, scratching off the furniture. Knocking things off of shelves and counters and all of that. What's that about? What do you think is some of the things that might cause scratching behavior? Now, we all know, we've talked about it. It's actually a natural behavior. You can't, you can't breed that out of a cat. But what are some yeah. of the reasons why they would scratch like your favorite couch or your favorite chair?
1: Maybe they don't have another area to scratch and maybe the fabric or whatever that it's made of is very appealing and works very well for their scratching desire. Scratching has two, two parts to it because it's not only sharpening their nails, but also it releases, I don't know if it's like a, I can't remember what it's called, but like a pheromone or something like that from their pads as well. It also could be another communication thing where they maybe aren't, aren't happy with some situation or they're, they're trying to maybe find a way, try to get our attention in some way. I do know that
0: cats claws actually shed Mm -hmm. from what I have noticed with my own cats. A lot of times the scratching behavior is a way to, I guess, speed up the shedding process to get those sheets that are starting to come off off. Because if you notice, mm-hmm. and I'm sure if you paid attention, if you have cats, you probably paid attention that around where your animal scratches the most, you might see what looks like nails. Well, mm-hmm. it's not the nail. It's the sheath that they, that they shed because their nails are constantly growing. Hence mm-hmm. the reason why they need to either sharpen it or, you know, I think maybe even it breaks some of the edges down so it's easier to walk. Because if the has got too sharp of claws, it's hard for them to walk. I actually had a cat that her nail, we we used to clip her claws like every two weeks. But one time, I guess we got busy and we forgot and it went a while and she must have done something or jumped down and the nail went into her pat. It was so Mm. sharp and we actually had to bring her to the vet and actually pull it out and treat that. Because the nail mm-hmm. got so sharp because we weren't monitoring and clipping it and she had no way of scratching it down. She jumped and it went right into the pad of her foot and it was causing an mm-hmm. issue, I think is one of the reasons why cats scratch a lot.
1: Yeah, I, I believe that probably in the wild, they would have a lot of natural sources to to scratch on. I mean, well, I guess depending on where there are, there may or may not be a lot of trees, but they would probably have a lot of natural sources, anyways, to to scratch on. And I think it's it is partly sharpening their claws, but also at the same time keeping them at a certain length. And healthy. So that, right? Yeah. And so that it's healthy as well. Yeah. Whereas our domestic cats may not have that same those same resources those same sources for for scratching and so there is more of that risk of the nails getting too long. Yeah. And I think there ha- there have been cases where the nails have actually grown into the pad because they were not attended to.
0: Yeah. And quick tip people if you have cats start them early if you bring them to the vet every couple of weeks if you need to or a groomer or Have your vet teach you how to Mm -hmm. properly clip your cat's claws. You want to make sure you don't cut too close to the quick, which is that little pink part of their claw. You want to make sure that you can do it safely without any pain or discomfort Mm -hmm. to the cat. But if you talk to your vet, have them teach you how to do it, get the proper tools and Mm -hmm. do it often. I do mine every two weeks with my kittens Mm -hmm. Um, and it seems to keep them nice and healthy, They walk well. They're not really clawing as often as they would if they weren't clipped. And it also Mm -hmm. saves our ankles and our arms from being ripped apart because they are a year and a half old and they're
1: kittens. (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely an additional bonus. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So basically what we're trying to say is scratching of furniture, the scratching part is inevitable. So what, you know, we're going to go into some of the medication that we can do as humans to help them in our next path. But just know that scratching is normal. It's not something that you can say, stop, and they will stop. It will happen. You know, there are things that you can do. Now, the last thing we want to talk about with it comes to cat behaviors is knocking things over hmm. that seems to be something that a lot of people deal with <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I can tell you I had a cat actually I've had a couple cats that have done this where they just like in the middle of the night they're bored so they start knocking things off the dresser they not start knocking things off tables you know we've all seen that meme of the cat knocking things over and over and over and over there's a reason for that they want attention They are trying to communicate something. It is not, I'm just going to be a brat and knock something over to break. So Mm -hmm. we want to make sure that we don't misinterpret some of these behaviors as bad behaviors. This is something they do. If if you're not paying attention to them, they're going to do stuff. Mm -hmm. Do you have any thoughts on that before we... uh... Continue on to dogs.
1: Yeah, cats can be more nocturnal and want to do things at night when you're sleeping, but they also don't tend to sleep for long periods of time either. Mm -hmm. So one of the, well, we'll get into. I as we said, we'll get into it in a bit, but it could be boredom that's causing it, Mm -hmm. and maybe they need to have things that they can do more of during the day, so that they or have something that they can do on their own that is going to reduce the chances of them wanting to get yeah. up on the shelves.
0: Yeah. Uh, or you can just not put anything breakable on top. <laughs> that's, that's what I've done. Um, but yeah. we're going to get into more of that. But I just, I, I just want to bring all these behaviors that these are some of the things that we're going to be talking about. Knocking stuff off a of thing. Yeah, it's funny. It makes a great meme. It makes a great video (laughs) on YouTube, but it is also just natural cat behavior. And you can mitigate some of that. And we'll get into that later. Scratching furniture. It's something they have to do. They have to scratch. You need to provide the opportunity. You can mitigate them and divert their attention. Peeing on laundry. It's not always a bad thing. it's just maybe they can't hold it. They, they're they trying to tell you something. Put a litter box there,
2: you know, like
0: <laughs> whatever. And then territorial marking. These are all behaviors that are natural cat behavior. They aren't mm-hmm. things that you can completely get rid of, but they are things that you can moderate. There are things that you can do to help that. We'll get into that. So mm-hmm. now let's move on to dogs. Dogs have a lot of behaviors and some of them are very noisy behaviors, how do we, you know, you know, where do we go with that?
1: Well, I think jumping and barking are probably the two most common behaviors that can create issues. And jumping can, it may not necessarily bother you as the pet parent, but it could bother other people for various reasons. So jumping is generally, jumping up on a person is generally in most cases, a sign of excitement. Mm-hmm. They're they're showing that they're happy or that they want to that they want to greet you or that they uh, want to go to the dog park or or something like that. So those are different reasons that they could be doing it. Barking is well, barking is like a huge communication tool for oh, for dogs. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> And that can run the gamut of why they're barking. Again, it could be showing that they're excited about something, excited about seeing you when you've come home from work or school or something, or because you're playing with them. It could also mean that you have something that they they want and they want you to throw it for them. So they'll bark until you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> And they can be persistent. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> it could also be a territorial thing too. If they're in the backyard and another dog walks by, they could be warning that other dog not to get too close. But it could also maybe be saying hello in some in some way. So yeah. it, it kind of depends on how, hi friend, how the barking. Hi friend! Is friend.
2: I want to play. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I also so, want to add that there, it also, and a good chunk of barking can be based on fear mm-hmm. and stress. Yes. That is a big thing. Stress is huge for dogs and the easiest way for a dog to get your attention is through barking. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to kind of bring that in. If a dog is fearful, it's going to bark. If it's stressed, it's going to bark. And again, we'll talk about mitigating that in part two, but yeah, I just wanted to throw that in there real quick.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a definite big one. And we'll, we'll definitely have a lot to, to add to that part. The other two behaviors that uh, could be an issue, but I don't think I've heard too many people talking about in a general sense is digging and chasing. Mm -hmm. Digging can happen in the backyard. Um, it could be maybe they're trying to bury their bone, mm-hmm. quote unquote bone. It Doesn't necessarily have to be an actual bone. They could be bored.
0: Oh, boredom's a big one.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those are kind of the the big ones. But sometimes they could also be trying to to dig a hole out underneath a fence,
2: to which can also yeah.
1: relate to boredom or or anxiety as well. Those are some considerations, and if you have a dog that tends to escape a lot, that's something to to keep in mind and figure consider some of the yeah. reasons that we'll talk about. Yeah, figure out why is your dog th- trying to yeah. escape?
0: Is there something yeah. you're doing? Is there something it's afraid of? It's something it's excited about? It's something it's looking for that it's not getting? There's always a mm-hmm. reason. Animals always have a reason for doing the things that they do.
1: Mm-hmm. And then it kind of, that kind of relates to chasing as well, because we don't really have, you don't really have the chasing happening in the home so much. You could potentially have herding going on. Yes. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And you could have a dog like a Border Collie or something like that, that could end up hurting your children and hurting like H-E-R-D, not H-U-R-T. Yeah. Just to clarify that. And some of the reasons that that could be occurring, we'll talk about in a bit as well. Chasing could be if they do escape from your home and then they go and try and chase vehicles or they go and run after a person, maybe the post post office person or something. Yeah. Uh, or po- I guess delivery, not post office, but... <laughs> and why might might that occur as well yeah. and so that
0: that could be also breed too you have a whippet yes. or a greyhound or um some of these Uh, deerhound type animals that that's what they're bred for. They're bred for chasing. Fox terriers, bred for chasing. Mm -hmm. They're just compelled to do it. And understanding Mm -hmm. the breed of the dog and trying to navigate that, making sure you have a high enough fence or a fence that goes below the ground a little bit or, Mm -hmm. you know, Whatever you can do, but understanding the animal will help you navigate these behaviors.
1: Mm-hmm. And on the other side of that too, if if one of those types of breeds is not running like they are, were bred to do, you could end up having other behaviors that could occur mm. as a result. Yep. These are just, these are some of the things and barking is is a really big issue when you've got neighbors. Mm, yep, yep, yep. Because it's not something they have to be nearby. Barking, the sound of barking carries for a fair distance. Yeah. And you might feel that, well, barking is natural. People shouldn't complain about it. Or that is happening during the day. Shouldn't understanding as well of what those people could be dealing with cuz maybe they work a night shift and they're trying to sleep during the day. Yeah. And they're not being able to sleep because the dog is barking for too long a period. I think most people would probably be fairly tolerant if it's going only only going on for a couple of minutes or so. But when it carries on for a lot longer, people tend to get a little bit more irritated. Well, yeah. Some, some understanding.
0: Yeah. Some dog barks are like they're grating on the ears. They're like a very high pitch. It can be mm-hmm. painful for some some people. And you know, one of the main reasons, especially if you have a dog that's barking during the day when you're not around and then people are complaining about it, it's separation anxiety. These mm-hmm. the animals the, it's stress. Literally, it's stress. They don't know what to do with themselves because they're by themselves or they are not in their crate or you just leave them wandering the house while you're gone to work all day. They don't know what to do with themselves. Mm -hmm. And that also may go into things like ripping apart the couch, ripping apart pillows, making a mess. Mm -hmm. These are all things that have to do with separation anxiety. And that is a real thing for both cats and dogs. So some of these dog behaviors can be because of separation anxiety, a.k.a. stress, Mm -hmm. big time, big
1: time. Mm -hmm. And I think another thing, too, that also tends to come up is the feeling of, let's say, in the case of jumping, that if somebody else comes to your home and they complain about your animal's behavior, perhaps you might feel, well, this is my home and you're just here visiting, so you just need to deal with it, which to some extent, I guess, is true. But if you have somebody visiting your home who might be small or frail or something, the dog might be able to easily knock them over if they're a medium to a large-sized dog. They could also end up scratching people's legs if they have bare legs or or something like that, they could end up having damage done to their legs because the dog's nails is scratching.
0: Yeah. And there's also that big one. There are people who legit have a fear of dogs. And if you let your Mm. dog jump and bark and if they come up, they're never going to want to come over your house because they are literally scared of your animal. Because you have not mitigated the behavior, mm-hmm. you know, when people come into your home.
1: Mm-hmm. So I I, th- I think there needs to be a little bit of a balance, like considering yeah. what is okay in the home, in your home, and what is going to be tolerable for others. Because if you don't ever want anybody to come to your home, then I guess you can let your animals behave however they they behave. Yeah,
0: And I <laughs> so- hear and i and i hear you introverts out that are saying ooh i can use my animal to keep people away no that's <laughs> not what we're saying no <laughs> <laughs> we're not saying that we're trying to give you options uh, trying to give you options and ideas of what goes into having an animal and how to create a balance and how to create boundaries for your animal for their health Their livelihood and their emotional state, as well as boundaries for yourself. So you respect others. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Now, are these bad behaviors? Like, really, are they bad or are they just behaviors that we have interpreted as bad? We're also going to talk about how we as humans are contributing to these behaviors, how we can mitigate some of these behaviors and how we can really truly understand why these behaviors are happening so we don't punish too hard inadvertently without knowledge. So, are these bad behaviors? I'm going to say absolutely not. They are just behaviors. You're just interpreting them as bad. But what are you what's coming to your mind, Miranda, about these whether they're bad or good?
1: Well, I I think that in a lot of cases, humans have a certain expectation that animals should behave a certain way and they should automatically know how we want them to behave. Oh my gosh,
0: yes. <laughs> oh, they should know better. No, they don't. Anyway, okay, I'm, I just about got on my soapbox, so we're not going to do that. So continue, Miranda.
1: <laughs> you know, we tend to, I think, humanize animals a lot in that we sort of think of them maybe as young children and that they automatically know right from wrong. Is what they're doing even right or wrong? And I don't think it is. I think they're just telling us in the only way that they know how that there's some some issue that needs to be addressed.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. They just They just do what they know and and so they've tried to interpret the world that they live in and they have come to the conclusion in their dog or cat mind that if I do this I will get this response from my human
2: mm-hmm. it's
0: neither bad nor good it just is it's just the animal being the cat it's just the animal being a dog mm-hmm. and it's up to us to figure out okay understand what they're doing, try to interpret, to translate. And that's the tricky part. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So what can we be doing? What do you think? You know, we've said it in the past that all behaviors that our animal exhibits stems from our humanness. We're the reasons. They pick up what we put down, basically, Mm -hmm. So what are some of the things that we could be doing that are contributing to this?
1: Well, animals can, for one thing, be very sensitive to our own energy and our emotions and our actions. So they can either sense or they can see what it is we're doing and respond accordingly to that. If we are maybe feeling a lot of anger or a lot of stress, anxiety, or even if it's a lot of maybe joy, could doesn't necessarily have to be a, a negative feeling. Yeah. But our animals are going to respond to that. When we're stressed or angry, they can be, they won't necessarily be angry, but they're going to be stressed. And yeah. it can show up at th- in them in a physiological way, or it can show up in the way that they behave.
0: Yeah, yeah, like even and it could even seem like they're angry too, because they're picking up what the energy that's surrounding you. We have to pay attention now. Myself, as an animal spirituality facilitator, the one thing that is constant in all of the work that I do is the more aware you are of your behaviors, the more you teach other beings, both human. And animal, how to respond back to you.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So the more aware you are about how you move through your world will help you understand that you may be contributing to how much your dog is barking, how much your cat is peeing somewhere, how much your cat is knocking things over. You know, if your dog is trying to escape all the time, a lot of these behaviors, that's on us. It's on us as humans because we're doing something that they don't understand. And the more aware you are of your behavior, the more you'll understand theirs. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts on that?
1: Well, I think one of the the biggest contributors to to behavior issues is the communication between you and your animal and how we can confuse them Mm -hmm. because- we can maybe be saying one thing that we want them to do a certain behavior, but then we act in a way that does not jive with what we're saying. Yeah. So they're like, for example, dogs that beg, or even cats that beg, it usually starts because we decide, oh, we have a little bit of food. We're going to give it to them as a treat. And we give it to them while we're eating our own meal or when we're cooking in the kitchen, or something like that. And then later on, they'll come to us when we're not planning on giving them something. And it could be when we're sitting at the table, or wherever it might be. And they'll start begging because they're expecting you to give them something because you've done it before. But we're not thinking about that we've done it before, we're thinking, oh, well, you know, this animal is behaving badly and they shouldn't be begging and we need to stop them from doing that. But at the same time, as as we're trying to punish them to stop them from doing it, we're still on the side or somebody maybe on the side in the family is giving food as a treat at some point. So then we're causing this confusion.
0: Yeah. And we talked about this. Do not give your animal people food. Just don't. And then you would end up (laughs) not having that much of an issue because animals associate. If you're sitting at a table and you gave them food a couple of times, then every time you sit at that table, they're going to associate that with food.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So again, being aware of your behavior will help you understand what you may be doing to contribute to some of their behavior. Mm -hmm. So- how do we mitigate? How do we mitigate? We know that we create these issues. I mean, we teach them how to behave. I know that's not nice to hear, but your behavior teaches them to act a certain way. So how do we mitigate some of these behaviors? Obviously, we just mentioned with the begging thing, don't give your dog or cat food while you're sitting at the table. Mm -hmm. Then they won't beg. Because they won't associate that,
1: right? Or alternatively, maybe depending on what your schedule is, you could consider feeding them their own food in their own feeding place at the time that you are choosing to eat your meal. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yep. That's another. That's another great way. So, how about barking? Okay. How can we mitigate barking? Well, number one, be aware of why they're barking. Try to figure out. Try to translate what they're trying to say. Is it mm-hmm. fear? Mm-hmm. Is it excitement? Is it a reaction because you're teasing it with a toy? Mm -hmm. Don't tease your animals, people. Like, really don't. If you want to play with your animal, both cat or dog, it doesn't matter. Or heck, if you're playing with a rat or any other animal and you tease them and you wave something in front of their face that they love, but you're not giving it to them, that animal doesn't know any better. That animal is not going to be prone to patience. Unless mm-hmm. you've worked with that animal since it was little, an animal is not naturally patient. So mm-hmm. be aware of what you're doing when the dog is barking.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, that, that like, okay, my dog is barking a lot right now. What am I doing? What is it trying to tell me? Mm-hmm. And f- once you figure that out, then you can modify your behavior and the dog will mirror that. Your dog's not just going to be a bad barker, even if you moderate your behavior. If -hmm. you moderate your behavior, your dog will mirror that. Keep that in mind. Watch for patterns because you may be doing something that's creating this behavior that you consider bad. Mm -hmm. Digging, right? If you just send them out in the backyard and they have nothing to do out there, what do you think they're going to (laughs) do? (laughs) they're going to occupy their time with something.
1: (laughs) And it may not just be boredom. It might also be that they've got a whole lot of energy. And if you don't combine both exercise and enrichment for your dog, especially for those that are the working type dogs, then being in the backyard is not going to be enough for them. They're, they're just going to have this pent up energy and both mental as well as physical energy that yeah. they need to burn off. And they need to find a way to do that.
0: Take your dog for a walk, people. Take them to the dog park. Give them that opportunity to express that energy in a healthy, playful way. Mm-hmm. If you expect them to just get over it, it ain't going to happen. And you're mm-hmm. going to end up having a dog that's bored. Mm-hmm. Again, pay attention to your behavior, mm-hmm. moderate your behavior, and you will mitigate their behavior.
1: Mm-hmm. And I want to add that there's, there's walking your dog and then there's walking your dog. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, true. <laughs> true. True, true. So, if you are taking your dog for a walk, but you're not letting them stop to sniff, and you're trying to hurry them along, and you're pulling them, or you know, you're you're making the the walk about you and not about them, then this isn't going to be helpful for them. Yes, they'll be getting some exercise, but they're also going to be getting stress. Part of the sniffing and that. And engaging with their environment is part of being the part of the enrichment that they need, the mental stimulation that they need. That's another thing to keep in mind.
0: And remember, animals don't naturally have patience. So you are going to have to have patience for them. Mm -hmm. Let them be a dog. Let them do what they don't. Don't rush them. I'm going to say it. I've said it almost every episode. It's not about you, it's about them making their life more enjoyable more fulfilling and allowing them the opportunity to thrive so you need to have the patience for the both of you because Mm -hmm. an animal is not naturally going to be patient Don't rush through their walk. Don't rush them through the dog park. Let them play. Mm -hmm. Let them get the enrichment they need. And you will end up having a better, well-behaved dog. Mm -hmm. They'll be tired. They'll be happy. They'll be content to just sit by the fireplace or sit on your lap or sit on the floor near your feet because they had that time with you to explore the world and to have the enrichment that they they feel they need and what they've been looking for.
1: Mm-hmm. And if you have one of those types of breeds that like a Jack Russell or a Greyhound or a Border Collie that are high-energy dogs, mm-hmm. taking them for a walk is probably not going to be enough for them unless you're maybe a high-energy person and go running with them or something. Then mm-hmm. maybe that might be enough. Might. So you need to also consider that maybe they need to get involved in one of those obstacle type activities or something that will physically as well as mentally engage them to help them burn off some of that energy.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Agility courses. Yes. They could be a lot of fun for both of you. Now,
1: uh, it could be a work. I mean, don't
0: get me wrong. It could be, it could be work. But again, it's not about you. It's about them. And if you do not have the lifestyle to handle a high energy animal, then either you have to deal with it because you already have the animal or you choose a different animal before you actually, get, you know, but once you have the animal, depending on whatever breed it is, you have a responsibility and accountability to that animal.
1: Mm hmm. They're not like something you buy at the store where you just return them because it wasn't quite what you wanted.
0: Yeah, no. So you're going to have to have patience for both of you. Definitely. Now, those are some of the major dog behaviors. Now, I'm going to go on a couple of soapboxes here. Cat behaviors. Uh, how do we mitigate the cat behaviors? I'm going to start with the peeing on like laundry and things on the floor whatever don't just have one litter box. Like literally, you cannot expect your animal to walk across the entire house just to go to the bathroom. If you have a large house, you probably have a couple bathrooms. You're not going to go from the north side of your house to the south side of your house just to go to the bathroom. You're going to want to go to the nearest litter box or the nearest bathroom, not the litter box, unless (laughs) unless you're weird,
2: but yeah, no. (laughs)
0: <laughs> but your cat is not going to want to do the same. Your cat is much smaller than you. It takes it a lot longer to go across the whole house to get to his litter box. I have heard the rule of thumb is have one more litter box than you have cat or cats. Yes. So That's if you have one too. cat, you have two litter boxes. If you have three cats, you have four litter boxes. Mm-hmm. This does a lot of different things. Number one, if you have a mix of male and female, a lot of male cats don't like to share litter boxes. So I, I know I had two males at one time and I had one male use one box and one male used the other box and they were happy. We had three cats, four litter boxes, and then we went down to three boxes, which was fine. That actually worked out well with these particular cats. Not all cats are going to be that way because my female, she didn't care. She just went in any box. <laughs> but the two males like to like to have their own individual boxes. But definitely have extra boxes. If you don't have the space to have three litter boxes, if you have two cats, then at least have two large litter boxes in different parts of your house. So the cat does not have to walk a relative mile to get to its litter box because sometimes they can't hold it and they're just going to go in the nearest place that they see. That's the one, that's one way to mitigate peeing on laundry and peeing on stacks of things. The second thing, keep things off your floor. If they don't have the space to pee, if they don't see something that looks appealing, they're not going to pee. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't look like a litter box, They won't pee unless they've learned spite, and we can get into that eventually. (laughs) Cats aren't naturally spiteful, but they can learn spite. Mm -hmm. But if you keep things off your floor, you will have less issue of animals peeing in places that you don't prefer.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, they generally prefer softer substrates to harder substrates, so they're not likely to just go directly on the floor. They're gonna go someplace where it's kind of cushy and soft.
0: Yeah, unless they have a health issue. If they have a health issue, then you need to pay attention to your animal because they will pee anywhere they can find if they're trying to get your attention to take them to the vet or they're trying to say something is wrong. You're going to notice if they have no specificity, that's a hard (laughs) word, if they have no preference, (laughs) if they have no preference to where they're peeing, then there's a very good chance that there's a health issue. Mm-hmm. If they are peeing only in piles of things, then that is a litter box issue. Mm-hmm. Add more litter boxes or put a litter box where they pee the most.
1: Mm-hmm. And the other things that could be um, surrounding the litter box too is maybe they don't like the type of litter that you're using.
0: They could be particular about that. That's a good one. Yeah. I mean, th- there might be some of those people, uh, some of those people. Yeah. Animals are people too. um some of those animals that are really really super picky and Mm -hmm. a good majority aren't going to be as picky except for the cleanliness make sure your litter boxes are clean
2: Mm -hmm.
0: the cat does not want to go to the bathroom in filth they just don't so make sure your litter boxes are clean that's another thing yeah there's a lot of things that you can do to mitigate them peeing in places that they're not supposed to Territory marking might be a little bit different, but pay attention to why they're territory marking. Um, Is it because they got fixed too late? Is it because there's another animal that's dominant in the house and they feel the need? If there is, then you just may have to not necessarily deal with it, but maybe make the efforts to have products in your house to help destroy the enzymes in the urine so you can... Mitigate it that way. An animal Mm -hmm. will keep peeing in the same place over and over again if the smell's there. If you can use a product to disintegrate that smell, like an enzyme cleaner that will Mm -hmm. actually break down the urine smell, then you can slowly ease them away from that spot. And there's ways. And then hopefully, you know, it eventually will calm down and you can, you know, I guess find a working relationship. Now, do you have anything to add about that? Because I want to talk into knocking stuff off of things. That's actually yeah. <laughs> nothing. Um, do you have anything about the peeing in the laundry, the territory marking?
1: No, not really. Too much. Anything else to add to that? All
0: right. Well, scratching a furniture. We did talk about having cat trees, right?
1: Yes. So there's there's a couple of things you can do: a cat tree or just scratching post. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to necessarily be a tree. But there's also those cardboard scratching pad things that you can get as well. Those, those kind of things, you still would need to find a way to try to anchor it some way, Otherwise, it's just going to to move around every time they try to scratch. So, yeah, but those are really good ways. And it's like if you can train them to to use that when they are young, before they even start looking at the furniture, because even if you start them later and they've already started scratching on the furniture, you may still have difficulty trying to stop them from scratching the furniture as well.
0: Yeah, because they they just learn. They learn their habits and, you know, there's just so much you can modify, but it can be modified.
1: Yeah. And you can use things like honeysuckle or catnip to help encourage them to go where you want them to go.
0: Yeah. Ooh, honeysuckle. I wouldn't mind that. That's my favorite flower. I love that. Um, (laughs) Good to know. Good to know. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Now, the other thing that I, about the scratching, I have noticed with my own cats is if you have like a cover, like a couch cover or um, like a A blanket or something draped over where they scratch the most, they're less likely because I guess it's not solid. If you think about your furniture, if it's solid like a tree, they'll probably scratch it. But if it's, if you got something hanging over it, it may not be as appealing. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I've noticed in my own house that if I put a cover or draped a blanket over the corner of a chair, they were Mm -hmm. less likely to continue scratching on that because it wasn't as appealing because it moved.
1: Yeah. And you can add to that, too, that there are sprays you can get that don't smell very good. And Mm. that could be another way to help discourage them. Like as long as it's not going to damage the fabric or furniture, you can try that as well.
0: Yeah. Always test the part of your your couch if you're going to be your chair, if you're going to be using that. Um, But yeah, there's a lot of things on the market. Uh, They may not work for every animal but they will work for um, a good majority of them. So the last thing before we close for today, well, I want to talk about knocking stuff off and just kind of wrapping it up with reiterating the need to understand and the, the need to not punish when they do something that you disagree with. So the knocking stuff off. Okay, okay. This can be a funny thing. I know everybody makes a joke of cats knocking things off. It's just this thing that goes. And yes, it is a cat behavior. But if they're doing it in the middle of the night when you're trying to sleep, there is a reason for that. They want your attention. They want food or they're bored (laughs) because (laughs) we sleep when they're awake. It's something to keep in mind. Cats are nocturnal. And when they get bored, they will do stuff to wake you up because it excites them. Having you move excites them. I had a cat and this is the truth. I love it. And you can tell of your experience, which is kind of the same thing. She would do that when she was a kid and oh my gosh, every single night she would knock something off, whether it was the windowsill, whether it was the dresser, whether it was the table, it was nonstop. And I did an experiment. I decided to ignore and I talked to my husband and I'm like, ignore her. She would do it. She would wake us up and I would say things. I would whisper, don't move, don't move. Like don't move, don't talk, don't do anything. Ignore them 100% completely. So they have no idea. Again, animals go by association. If they associate them knocking something over to you moving and making a sound, they're going to keep doing it. But if you don't do anything and you ignore it, they're going to associate no movement. And so they are going to stop. It took a week of, yes, sleepless nights, But it took a week of us ignoring her completely for her to stop. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know whether she's a fast learner, but (laughs) it it took us a while, but it worked. What about your experience? You had a similar experience.
1: Well, yeah. In this case, I was um, looking after a friend's cat. And this is where animals can learn how to train you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, they can. (laughs) Her cats had a tendency of waking her up at around five in the morning, or actually, I think they still do. <laughs> and <laughs> because they wanted to be fed. Mm-hmm. So when I was looking after her cats for a little a few days, tried to do that with me. And I was like, no, I'm not getting up at five o'clock in the morning. You can wait. You can wait a couple more hours. <laughs>
2: Yep. You can wait. You can
1: wait. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I ignored them. And then after a couple of days, they didn't bother me. And I could just feed them when I got up. So <laughs>
0: yeah, animals are trainable people. Even when they do some of these things, they are trainable. Um, <laughs> and we are also trainable. <laughs> as Miranda mentioned, cats will train you. They will. Dogs will train you. If they get a reaction that they're looking for, They're going to keep doing it. So Mm -hmm. again, to kind of put the period at the end of this show today, the key word is understanding. Why -hmm. are they doing it? What are the patterns that are coming before and after? What are you doing to create the situation? What are their needs? Are they sick? Are they bored? Are they have too much energy? What is? Are you teasing them? Are you not giving them what they want, and they just keep bugging you, like really understand every facet of why Mm -hmm. an animal is behaving a certain way. Now, granted, they're animals, we're humans, we think differently. So again, don't humanize your animal because they're not thinking the way you do. But if you pay attention, you will see why. I guarantee it. You will see why. It may take a little bit of patience to learn why, but you will eventually see why. And then you can start to understand. And once you understand, you will be less likely to punish. Um, we've discussed this. Don't punish your animal because they don't know why you're punishing them. They mm-hmm. really don't. And all you are doing is creating fear in that animal. And you may be contributing more to some of these bad behaviors. So punishment does not work. Understanding does.
1: And you can also try training them for the behavior that you do want instead and reward them when they're doing what you want them to do.
0: Exactly. And, you know, we'll probably get into some more behaviorists and some training episodes soon. There are ways to mitigate these behaviors. There Mm -hmm. are also ways to stop contributing to these behaviors. It is on you. To help your animal understand you and what you want Mm -hmm. from it. It is a communication between the two of you because your animal is always communicating a hundred percent of the time. You just don't know what they're trying to say. The more you pay attention, The more you see patterns, the more you will understand what they're saying. Mm -hmm. And that is what we wanted to bring to you today. What were you going to say, Mm Marinda?
1: Oh, I just wanted to add, too, that if you do feel like you're really struggling to understand or you're feeling frustrated... There are all other services that can help you with that too. You could talk to an animal behaviorist to help. They can help you to understand more clearly why an animal is behaving a certain way. You can also work with someone who has the ability to communicate with animals that, and it could also be a combination of the two. So that's another way to, to get a deeper understanding.
0: Yeah. Even if you don't believe in the whole communicator thing, at least talk with a behaviorist somebody who understands your animal and can help you understand it as well hopefully this information this week was good if it was come on over to facebook join our group facebook.com slash groups slash taf community that's the animal files community on facebook ask your questions join the conversation we can help you Learn more, we'll have resources and reference documents and things of that nature to help you better understand your animal. So come on over to Facebook, join us at the Animal Files Community, and uh, we'll continue the conversation.